mystical play a little too long, but we did love the beat. That's the clips. Oh, th- oh, it is the clips. That's right. Yeah. No, I was thinking it was mystical. I've done that way too many. <laughs> now, Pharrell did do joints with mystical, though. No, I thought it was a mystical that was on. Wait, though. Is he not on this at all? No, no, no. It's just the clip. And then uh, it's Ab Lava and uh, Sandman. That's right. Yeah, the re-up gang. Okay, there you go. And this was a Pharrell beat, though. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, I got that mixed Cut. up. <laughs> oh, well, I said Cot, C-O-T. That's the name of the song. Oh, were you worried about an FCC violation? Hey, well, yeah, because people might confuse things. I'm saying Jeep. Hey, dog, I got a dump button. I got your back. Yeah. I've had to dump myself a time or two. <laughs> How many times have you had to use the dump button? On myself once when I called uh, Denny Han- and it was on a NASCAR driver. <laughs> right. I remember what this was, uh, yeah. And then there was one time... Uh, I think it was... Uh, you've used it with me in the studio before, and it was Willie P also in, and somebody called in, and I forget what he said. Oh, but we were talking... I forget oh all about what oh, he said. He, he referenced a... Um, he referenced a sex toy. That's right. When talking, right. I believe, about Matt Rule... And yeah. it was the greatest phone call that could never go over the air. Well, no, here's what happened. Just to peel back the curtain a little bit for everyone, you froze. I Look, and it's fine. It was hilarious because you were trying to decipher whether it should be dumped or not. Because I don't think technically it's not anything we're about to say. Authority figures out there, don't worry. But you, I don't think, knew for sure if that was something that was dumpable. Willie reacted immediately because he has a dump button over here as well. And he pressed that thing immediately once he saw that you weren't going to press it. You froze. You're like, <laughs> you well, I mean, first off, I was just trying to process what the man said. No, I, I you were 100 percent. And, and uh, I guess that was proof that Willie knows how to take being dumped. I do not. Because he pressed the dump button. Yeah. Like, you know, he's just so naturally used to it. Uh huh. Whereas like for me. I mean, don't get me wrong. I've 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 always been dumped, but like I, you know, I'm just not as frequently dumped as Willie P was back in his high school days because those dance moves didn't keep the ladies around. I would imagine. So this thing works for me, I guess, because it did work for Willie. Do you have to hold on to? You just press it one time. I'm not about to experience. Yeah, it with yeah, it. No, yeah. Oh yeah, you just gotta hit it. I mean, Wilson had to use it all the time because he'd get so mad and. Is that right? Did he? Oh so he would, yeah. He would curse and then he would have to use it quite a bit. Yeah. This is why, like the. The S word needs to be allowed in radio. Yeah, the S word is is one. Well, I feel like I've heard that before. It's that one's that one's weird because I feel like that one will be said every now and then, but clearly not a lot. Did you just flip me off for no reason? No, was that I, an actual, I had like something in my eye. You do it so often. I just I think you don't even know you're doing it. Just show me your middle finger for no reason. I don't know why we have so much hate. I'm trying to have a conversation with you, and you just want to show me your middle finger for no reason. What what can we do to get past this, Fiddy? I just had something in my eye. Yeah, like, now, earlier in the show, say. when I was, like, scratching. During my, West talking. Yeah, right? like, you know, just, at, at that moment, I was flipping you off. Uh, in this moment, no, I had something in my eye, but you know what? Here you go. Yeah, take that, buddy. Um, I think uh, B... I, this might have been Beef Supreme calling in. He just texted in 704-570-9610. I think that's right. Did you read the text? He he referenced what was said, and I think people did hear it on uh, when they were streaming. I think that's what happened. So <laughs> I think that happened. I'm not saying it. I'm d- absolutely not saying it. And no, to I'm I'm sorry to the bagel guy who wants you to tell the Dan, uh, Denny Hamlin story. No, you can't say that either. And so we're not going to do the whole dump button. Look, I, I basically just called him the full a word. That's what it. 
was. With something attached to it. Right. Like, that's what I meant by the full A word, not just the A word. Well, <laughs> be clear. Um, it, it, we got to try to be clear while not actually saying the word. And, and the best part was that Nick was broadcasting from home at the time. So he automatically goes, oh, you can't say that. Dump yourself. I, and I, and I, I had already dumped it. My first ever remote. My second week on the job. Hornets Media Day, where y'all were at earlier this year. Former shows out there. They bring Terry Rogier on. As Terry Rogier is oh, putting on the headset, yeah, he just drops the S-bomb. Yep. And Flounder was showing me how to run the remote stuff. And Hoggard, like the true pro he is, did you dump that? Already <laughs> on it. Yeah. Nice job by you. Wes, when you were working with the Hornets or with Bally last year, did you ever have that happen where you were interviewing a player? And probably Terry, because he lets that fly quite a bit. Did you ever have the time where you had to edit something in post or anything like that? No, we did not. Uh, in the post game, they were pretty clean. We never had that issue at all. I know uh, Ashley had that as well with her post game on court interviews with so Lamelo. They, they would have to, they would have to like dump some stuff or or post uh, post produce. I think things. when it happened, it was just it was live live, so it just rolled. Yeah, we just had it. Well, and especially with the press conferences yeah. that air live, and we saw if Steve Clifford would have said something yesterday. They would have just had to let it roll. Yep. That's just how it goes. 704-570-9610. You can text in the Garage Door Guru text line. All right, let's talk about the Carolina Panthers. Let's finally give a whole segment to the team that is actually winning some games right now and also a team we didn't necessarily expect to win after the start of the season, after they fired Matt Rule, after they traded Christian McCaffrey, and yet here's still uh, Steve Wilkes has done an excellent job as the head coach. And we talked about leaning into a strength. What they have done is they have established an identity that I feel like Matt Rule and the previous regime tried to do, Wes. It's at least what they would tell us. It's what their moves actually said. So that's what some they, they tried to tell us with getting Austin Corbett, mm -hmm. with getting some of these other guys, even drafting Ikea Kwanu. Yeah. I think that actually showed us this is going to be a run first team. And then they ne weren't necessarily great at it. They wouldn't stick to it until mm -hmm. Steve Wilkes came aboard. Um, that's what they've been doing though. And here's Chris Sims talking about that um, on his podcast, Chris Sims unbuttoned. Their patience with the run game is the biggest thing. They have totally opted to go, you know, we're going to keep the clock rolling. We're going to play defense and we're not going to let our quarterback ruin the game. And that's what they're doing, and it makes a lot of sense, and I think it's the right way for them to approach. Now, you know, the offensive, the, the patience is the biggest thing. So the run blocking is great, Wes, but also the pass blocking, it's been pretty damn good in recent weeks. Yeah, they have the fifth highest. Uh, the fifth highest pass blocking grade according to PFF. I pose a question, would this be the most desirable spot for a draft pick? Or if that doesn't happen, a veteran quarterback looking for a new home? Uh, we don't know, you know, Aaron Rodgers, even I don't know if he would come here, but guys like that, some veterans that may be looking for some new homes next year. But he talked about that patience since week seven, the Panthers 1,082 rushing yards, their fifth in the league. Uh, you know, and so this is a team that they're going to run the football. They're going to take care of the football. You've got a back back there in Deontay Foreman. He's had four 100-yard rushing games since week seven. So maybe a franchise back or at least a great half of a backfield is sitting here waiting for you 
with the DJ Moore. But the most important thing is the offensive line. You see they're running the ball uh, really well. As we said, fifth highest pass blocking grade in the league. So this would be a desirable spot. DJ Moore, a nice number one receiver. You have the offseason to maybe grab some more pieces, go out and get you a tight end or something yep. like that. So I just wonder how desirable of a place would this be for a quarterback when you have some nice things in place and a rookie would not be stepping into a situation like a lot of guys do if they're in that top five, top ten range where there's no O-line, there's no weapons, and they're just struggling. I totally agree with that. And and to the Carolina Panthers' credit, they did want to try to get everything surrounding a potential franchise QB right before they went and drafted that QB. Yeah. That was always the argument for not drafting Justin Fields. Not drafting Mac Jones. I always thought in the time, right? Now there's a little bit more argument to be made if you believe in him. But even at that time, how I felt during the NFL draft, I was ready to go ahead and throw the Justin Fields dart. I was ready, okay? I don't know if I was going to hit bullseye, but you can't hit bullseye unless you actually throw the dart. That's what I wanted to do. But their argument was to get a cornerback get an offensive tackle the next year, which is what they did with Iki Kwanu, and yep. they had to do it, especially when all three of the offensive tackles were on the board. They chose, which was also a huge decision. That It's kind of funny. If you go back to that decision on the offensive tackle they needed to select, monster, right? Because you had three that were worthy of being taken there. Maybe yeah. Cross was a little bit off, but people like Charles Cross because he played in a pass-happy offense under Mike Leach. So, the fact that Iki Kwanu looks the part and is not behind Cross or Evan Neal, that's huge yeah. for this organization. I completely agree with you. And that's not something you could have said about this team in recent years. The offensive line is as good as it's been in a very long time. Yeah. Pass blocking, Iki Kwanu, the fact that he's picking that up as well as he is, fantastic. Taylor Moten kind of got off to a bad start to the season, but... He's up there again in pass blocking. You see what Taylor, it's actually run blocking, I believe, that has not been great for him if you go towards the grading process. But Taylor Moten's been very good on the right side as far as protecting whoever is trying to get after Sam Darnold, P.J. Walker, whoever. D.J. Moore, number one wide receiver, maybe not elite, but number one wide receiver can do more than enough damage with him. Deontay Foreman, the interesting part about Deontay is that he's an unrestricted free agent after this season. This gets kind of crazy, Wes, because while Tuba Hubbard ran the ball really hard in this most recent game against Seattle, I don't know if I want Tuba as my number one. Yeah, I view Tuba more as a committee guy, and great job, right? Ran the ball really hard, did an excellent job. Kudos. Still don't know if I want him as my number one guy, and if he is, I want the 1A, 1B type of scenario. Deontay Foreman, man, he's going to be in that weird type of situation where he's never been, he wasn't a, a top pick. He's bounced around a couple different teams. It's finally clicked here with Carolina, but he also runs a really physical style. He's not going to get $10 million a year. He's not going to get paid as high as these other top flight running backs. But is it worth paying him $6 million a year? Mm -hmm. I mean, that's going to get really tough. And I do think that he is going to call for decent money out there on the open market. Does he want to give Carolina a hometown discount or does he need to capitalize, which is probably what's going to happen. The Deontay Foreman situation will be fascinating how they view him contractually going into the off uh, on the offseason. And will he, as you said, the fact that he has been a journeyman, the fact that he hasn't made big back money, 
will he want to go for the dollar or will the Steve Wilkes factor have an influence here to where he loves playing for Wilkes. Wilkes believed in him. Wilkes gave him the chance to, to be able to cash out on the open market. Will that have some tug on him? I probably lean to the fact that he's been a journeyman back. He's going right. to want some security. You got to cash in. So if there's another team out there that will give him better security, but I think if it's close, he probably stays in Carolina. But I think if he continues this, as I said, four 100-yard games, he's tied with Josh Jacobs for the most in the league since week seven. If he continues at this trajectory, keeps playing well, keeps running the rock, then, uh, yeah, he's going to command some Skrilla. I, I wonder how much that'll happen with Deontay. But also, they don't really have a pass-catching back right now that you can rely on. No. Blackshear did an, a good job. I give a lot of credit to LaVisca Chenault for blocking on the outside on that 17-yard gain. Blackshear did a decent job there. Uh, you still, I would like to have a dynamic running back. And, and, and Deontay Foreman is... Really physical. Love the way he plays. I was more so wrong on him when everybody was clamoring for him, even when McCaffrey was here. I was like, guys, it's it's not like he's going to come in and be Derrick Henry. He did a Henry. solid job backing up Derrick Henry. No, he did. He did. And I didn't give him enough credit. But, man, I give him all the credit in the world now. Bringing this point full circle, yeah, this is a good situation, I think. It's not the best. It's not San Francisco, which probably has the best situation for a young quarterback in the entire NFL with the best left tackle in the league with Trent Williams, Debo, Christian McCaffrey, Kyle Shanahan calling your plays. That's probably the best situation for a young QB in all of the National Football League. But Carolina's getting there. You're right. Get you a tight end that you feel comfortable with, or hopefully Tommy Trimble can continue to develop, even if... That maybe isn't the most positive thing in the world right now. Maybe you don't view him as a future uh, franchise tight end. Maybe a second wide receiver. But, I mean, I think Terrace Marshall can be that guy as he continues to develop. You know, a little bit quieter in recent weeks. Yeah. But I, I'm cool with him being second, giving him a shot in his third year. Talented enough guy. As a full-time starter next season. I'm cool with that right now. If he continues on this trajectory, okay. I, I'm cool with that. But it doesn't mean you don't get a wide receiver because you got Terrace. Like, if you have somebody really talented in the second round, cool, draft one. But get some more weapons, and I do think this is a really favorable situation for a potential future franchise QB. All right, let's go to Doug Branson. We're going to go talk about the Charlotte Hornets once more, part of the Locked On Hornets podcast and everyhornetsboxscore.com. What were his thoughts on Steve Clifford's press conference? It's coming up next on Wesson Walker Sports Radio 92.7 FM. Wesson Walker, Sports Radio 92.7 WFNZ. Feel free to text into the Garage Door Guru text line 704-570-9610. You can text us your thoughts and comments about the Charlotte Hornets and their loss to the Pistons last night. But we will go to the Body Works Plus guest hotline and welcome Doug Branson of the Lockdown Hornets podcast dialing in. You can also check his workout on everyhornetsboxscore.com. Doug, how are you doing after the loss of the Pistons and Steve Clifford's presser? Woof. I mean, that was a uh, tough one to watch. You know, the second best offensive game the Hornets have all season met the absolute worst defensive game they've played all season, maybe in a couple of seasons. And that's saying something because they didn't play much defense in the previous two seasons. But that was 
that was difficult to watch. So Steve Clifford, obviously angry as well, didn't take any questions. He just wanted to have his message to the team about how they don't have any all-stars on this team, much like Mitch Kupchak said a couple of years ago. He said they don't have five all-stars and that you can't play to outscore people solely by only playing on offense. They need to put a lot more effort on defense. What did you make of Steve Clifford's press conference yesterday? I mean, I thought it was a fair, clear assessment of the issues that this team is is going through right now. And and even with LaMelo Ball's return, uh, it still wasn't enough offense to overcome some of the defensive issues that have been slowly getting worse over the past couple of weeks. They, they have not been able to keep the ball in front. It's obvious that the, the number of injuries that they've sustained have taken a toll, I think, on everybody's uh, belief and ability to play on both ends of the floor. I mean, it's really impressive to lose a game when you get 22 points off of the opposing team's turnovers and you only give up four turnovers. You only give up four points off of turnovers. I mean, I, I just I, I don't know how you lose a game except by playing some of the worst defense that that basketball fans have seen all season. It's crazy. Doug West Bryant here, your boy. Uh, we were talking <laughs> this morning about just I feel like one of the major problems with this team starts in the locker room and the lack of true leadership. And I'll, I'll put it in simplistic form as far as just somebody needs to walk in the locker room and say, listen, we're going to win or we're going to scrap. Like, what are we doing? Okay. <laughs> but what do you say to that type of, of, of nastiness, grittiness that this team needs? Because I feel like they just like each other a bit too much. They're not going to get on each other. And they're just too concerned uh, with a lot of the wrong things from things that we've seen off of the court. What do you think about the leadership and what's going on inside of, of, of this team's psyche? Oh, well, I mean, I, I think it's, I think you can point to a lack of players that really identify as defenders first. Uh, and, and in fact, one of the only players I think that they have on the roster that fits that bill is Dennis Smith Jr., who, remember, they have on an unguaranteed contract, was, was about to lose his place in the association, and the Hornets take a flyer on him right before the season gets started, and he comes out and, and is an amazing on-ball defender and was was opening eyes across the league with his ability uh, to steal the basketball but also keep a guy in front. I mean, the the problems that they have on defense, you you don't need to be some, like, complex basketball genius to understand what's going on here. Guys are not staying in front, and and it goes all the way down the roster, uh, including the guy who returned last night, LaMelo Ball. I don't think did a great job defensively uh, to, to help his team out. He transformed them offensively. There's no doubt about that. I mean, they had their best offensive game in large part because of his return. Uh, but I don't know if it's if it's the ankle slowing him up a little bit on the defensive end. But he could not. He couldn't keep Killian Hayes in front of him. He was going under screens on Alec Burks. But it, it's not. It's not just Lamelo. It's Terry Rozier not get, getting back in transition defense. It's the fact that they really don't have a physical presence underneath. Mason Plumley, admirable job on the offensive boards, keeping them in the game getting the tying put back there to send the game into overtime. But he's just not a threat to really defend at the rim, and neither is Nick Richards, who is consistently getting pushed out of the paint by Isaiah Stewart. Beef Stew. They, this team needs a Beef Stew underneath. They need a guy like Isaiah Stewart, and they don't have it. And, and these problems just sort of snowball onto one another, and you get the result like you got last night against Detroit. Do you think some of this is just a Hornets being a byproduct of a young NBA where these teams that try to tank and they have these youthful rosters uh, and, and teams just ushering out older players and wanting to go young. Do you think the Hornets are a byproduct of that? 
Well, I mean, I think they could have benefited uh, in the past couple of seasons from from certainly a veteran presence or somebody that could come in and give them real championship experience. Because you have to understand, they're really depending on Terry Rozier to, to tell them what it's like to play playoff basketball. There's just not a lot of experience uh, that that they can share, you know, among the players. Now, now Clifford has been on staffs, you know, as an assistant coach that have been championship level contending staffs. But there's just, yeah, there's no one in the locker room that really has, you know, that kind of view. Like, here's exactly how we have to play, how we have to start playing uh, in order by the end of the season to be the kind of team that doesn't get shellacked in a play-in game. And that's what Clifford was speaking to, that you have to find a way to play consistently on the defensive end, that when you get into a playoff situation, when both teams are going to really lock down, not turn the basketball over, the style of play slows down tremendously, in the postseason, you've got to find a way to be able to generate points off of your defense and get a stop when you absolutely need one. And the Hornets showed last last night that they're just not anywhere near that at this at this point in time. It's Doug Branson from the Locked On Hornets podcast. Doug, it's happening again. <coughs> Goodness gracious, I'm struggling so bad. Doug gets to listen to this every single morning. It seems like for the past month, even if it has only been the two weeks. Um, of me just having to battle this cold. It's Doug Branson, Locked On Hornets, everyhornetsboxscore.com on the Body Works Plus guest hotline. I do want to ask you about just the magnitude of this loss, too, because to me, Doug, kind of feels like a turning point and maybe not a turning point, but it feels like a significant loss to where this team now might just be headed towards there's no way they can make up enough ground to get to the play-in tournament. You have one more game left before you hit the six-game West Coast road trip, and P.J. Washington joined our buddy Sam Farber on the Hivecast and said, hey, stick with us, we're going to get there. But last night's loss to the only team below the Eastern Conference standings below you, that's the tough one, right? That's That makes it really hard to stick with them. What did you make of this loss as far as their ability to climb back in the standings go? Yeah, I mean, I think it makes it really difficult. Now you're 7-21, and 21, uh, you're getting deeper, you've got that big West Coast road trip coming up. And, and not only is it a West Coast road trip, but it's full of really good, talented teams. Denver, Sacramento, the Clippers, the Lakers are playing a lot better. Portland, uh, goal that you ended in Golden State. So, I mean, there's not really a gimme game in there at all. Uh, so, you know, I'm, I think Clifford is probably going to put a lot of emphasis you know, when, when they're talking today on this game that they've got Friday against Atlanta as, as really a show-me kind of game. Can they find the defensive spirit that they're going to need to survive this West Coast road trip and, and be competitive? Uh, but, yeah, I mean, you get a player like LaMelo Ball back that you think, all right, you know, you, you get this opportunity uh, to get a major piece back. Can you finally start to put things together? And, and it all blows up in your face. What does that do psychologically to the team's belief system? Can they, once again, they've had to do this multiple times. I think that's what you have to understand, is this team has gone through this where they've gotten players back and then lost players. And, and, and they've had to pull themselves together. And for the most part, you know, they have stayed together. Even through big losing streaks, this team has played competitively on both ends of the floor. And, and lately, you know, since that bad loss to Milwaukee, where Milwaukee didn't play any of their top scores and they still lost the game and weren't very competitive, since that game, they, they really have started to slip on the defensive end and lose a little bit of that belief. I think Clifford, obviously, you know, in his presser, I think there is a, a level of concern leaking through there 
that, that maybe this is starting to come off the rails a little bit. Well, another big topic that I'm sure was on the minds of a lot of Hornets fans was Jalen Duran, the way he came in and really just wrecked the boards last night. Here for you the go, Pistons. Doug. This is your platform. Yeah, does this make you feel better or worse uh, about the Mark Williams pick? And do you feel like at this point with Mark Williams on G League duty that this pick is heading uh, in a downward trajectory? It doesn't make me feel any kind of way about Mark Williams in particular because he was the 15th overall pick and would have been the 15th overall pick had the organization opted to use their 13th pick on Jalen Duran. I mean, I think Mark Williams, you know, has a lot of potential to be a really good piece for this team. But but what I said at the time, you know, but before the draft is I thought Jalen Duran specifically had some physicality, some strength, and and a body type that could immediately come and contribute to a center rotation that desperately needed some of those things. And he also, and I think he put that on display last night, he has an intensity level, uh, uh, you know, a drive that I think uh, could have helped this team tremendously. And, and he put it on display. Yeah, he was a terror on the board. He had six offensive boards. But more importantly, he was an active part of going out and getting defensive rebounds, finishing possessions for the Detroit Pistons, something that the Hornets have struggled with all season. He was also setting really good screens. I mean, doing a lot of those little things that, that you want uh, out, of, out of that type of center. And, you know, obviously he has a lot of growth. He, you know, he missed a, a bunch of shots in that game. He's got a lot of growth, too. It's not like he would have come in and, and been like a rookie of the year contender for the Charlotte Hornets. I don't even think he would have contended for a starting spot. He may have spent some time in the G League as well. But I think eventually he could have contributed in a way that I don't see Mark Williams immediately contributing this season. So, yes, it is disappointing to see Jalen Duran make such an impact for the Detroit Pistons when, when knowing that the Hornets not only traded that pick away, traded it for a worse first-round pick. Yes, you pick up multiple second-rounders, but you traded for a worse first-rounder. Doug, what do you think was a harder listen for Locked On Hornets podcast fans? Was it when I just threw a big old temper tantrum when they traded away SGA, or was it when we were both really depressed after they traded away Jalen Duran and your lights kept flickering on and off because of your sole power to have that effect on the lights because of how down you fell? Yeah, well, I think it was a worse experience for the the viewers of the of the YouTube channel. Because, <laughs> yes, the technical difficulties, you know, that was difficult. It was it was just an emotional you know reaction from you. Uh, you know, and and I was just worried that that the Hornets were going to throw us. Out That's right. <laughs> as we were doing it, you know, in the arena. But no, yeah, I mean, um, in terms of those picks, you know, I think they just go into a long line of of draft. You, you know, I I won't even. It's, it's some of it's unfortunate. Like I think the SGA Miles Bridges uh, pick situation is is going to. You, you know, there's going to be a lot that goes into that. But you know, the Monk pick. It's just a long line of both bad luck and I think you know, bad sort of understanding what your roster needs and the ability to deliver that through the draft. You know, I think there's a lot of criticism to hand out. All right. That's Doug Branson of the Lockdown Hornets podcast on the Body Works Plus guest hotline. You can also check out his Substack every Hornets box score on every Hornets Doug, we appreciate the time, man. Thanks again. Absolutely. I'm going to go wash this loss off me. Yeah, please do that. It was really <laughs> gross, especially Steve Clifford afterwards. I know he wanted to do that as well. I'm interested to see how this team responds. You know, Wes, I mean, they have a game against Atlanta. And then after Atlanta, you have a six-game West Coast road trip. And that's why I keep going back to this loss. We're going to remember this one at the end of the season, yeah. right? 82-game season, crazy long year for NBA fans. 
there are certain points that you'll go back to. Oh, you remember this one? Yeah, man, that was when you got an overtime loss. You were right there, and then you couldn't you couldn't get over the hump. We'll remember the Golden State win, right? Beating the defending champs, Dennis Smith Jr., a hero at the end of that game, very clutch for Charlotte. P.J. Washington hit a clutch basket, allowed them to go 3-3 three and three yeah. to start the season. We'll remember some of these games, and I think this is a big checkpoint type of contest where you lose to the Detroit Pistons and the Wimby sweepstakes when Charlotte was doing everything they could to win that game. Detroit, not so much, at least from an authority standpoint, people that are higher up in the organization. Detroit still won. This thing went to overtime. LaMelo Ball didn't play. The offense went to complete hell, and they scored seven points in OT. They eventually lose. I I do think we're going to be looking at this loss as a, yeah, this is a defining moment for this team in their season. Very damning loss because you go and look at you both are the worst teams in the Eastern Conference, two of the worst teams in the NBA, and you think at least we're better than those guys. When we picked this game yesterday, we're thinking, okay, you know, they might be bad, but they're better than those guys. And then for them to come in and just, as I said, just the way it looked, for them to come in and drop 140 on you overtime, you only have one assist, you lose, you get out score 14 to 7. They just took it to you. And uh, it just was not a good look for the Hornets at all. It is a, you know, I'm not going to say a turning point, but as you said, it's going to be interesting to see how will this team respond after your coach came yeah. in there and lambasted. S-A-T word came in there and lambasted the team as politely as he could. I would love to hear the locker room version of what he said. I'm sure there were more expletives. Yes, but for him to come in there and say what he said, how will you respond? Because if you come out and you get drilled by Atlanta, I mean, what are we doing here? Yeah. I'm Clifford. I might start just cleaning up my office. Yeah. Well, I saw Nada, who is a part of the Ion College Basketball podcast. He mm-hmm. put out on Twitter, man, I don't even know if Steve Clifford makes it through the year. Fitty, didn't you text us like that you weren't even sure if Steve Clifford would make it through the year because maybe he would just rage quit? <laughs> or, or maybe it would be because the organization wanted him gone. He may rage quit. He may uh, maybe Mitch Kupchak gets rage and fires him. Maybe Michael Jordan shows up off his yacht and just fires him. I don't know. Uh, this We should have seen this coming when this organization fired a coach who had back-to-back double-digit win season improvements, and they tried to, and then they fired him on a Friday at 12 o'clock. Like everything, like we should have known right then and there, all hell was going to break loose, and all hell has broken loose. And this is what happens when you undeservingly fire a coach it was the best thing that happened to this organization wow. in quite some time. Woo. Yeah, that's that's really strong considering they just drafted LaMelo a couple of years ago. You keep trying to bring this back to James Brego. And the reason I think that there can be some truth to it, I'm having to stretch, but I'm trying to make you look better by doing this. So I don't need we, your help, brother. No, I think you do. So when we make this stretch, right, <laughs> I do think the reason that it hurts them is because if you were to tell the Charlotte Hornets, if somebody were to come back from the future, okay, if you had a ghost of Christmas future, going to Mitch Kupchak and Michael Jordan saying, hey, if you fire JB, then you're going to try to hire Kenny Atkinson. He's going to back out after two weeks of saying he was going to come to you. And then you're eventually going to have to do the whole rehire thing by bringing in Steve Clifford. Do you want to endure that while Steve Clifford has not even like a month to deal with this basketball team? Then that's not necessarily true, but at least before summer league, before preseason, all of that, right? Having to figure this thing out on the fly. Do you want to fire JB if you know all of this is going to happen? I bet they'd probably say no. 
it's not because Steve Clifford, look, he's had problems, right? Like I had my questions about him tailoring an offense to LaMelo Ball. You know, we haven't seen it but four games, and actually the offense has not been the problem. So you've had a lot of injuries. The reason that firing James Borrego has hurt you so much now is because of all the chaos that ensued that isn't directly a result of firing James Borrego. It's because of everything else that happened where then they're having to kind of scramble on the fly. Look, man, this team, part of its luck, part of it is the Hornets doing. You got to bring in some veterans. You got to bring in somebody like you can't just sit on your hands with the whole Miles Bridges situation. It's absolutely not their fault that Miles Bridges was arrested for felony domestic violence. Absolutely zero responsibility for the Hornets. But you got to try to do something right. Like you brought back Cody Martin. You lost Biz as a veteran. You lost Isaiah Thomas as a veteran. And you brought in Cody Martin, Dennis Smith Jr., Teo Maladon just kind of fell into your lap. I mean, those were late cuts right before the season. Those guys were acquired. Yeah, so it, it's not like JB would be doing a lot better. It's just, man, there was a lot of chaos after he was fired. Yeah, it's an overblown turn, but the culture of this team, they need to not just, you know, be tanking for Wimby, but they need to look at just taking this thing and rebuilding it brick by brick, starting with LaMelo and working their way up. Yeah, we'll see if they can do that. I think, uh, yeah, I think that's something that's going to be really tough, especially after this loss to the Detroit Pistons. Time now for a Fitty Flash, the second one of the day. What you got, Fitty? From one situation that Walker looks at through rose-colored glasses to another. Rose-colored <laughs> glasses? I'm not happy about this Hornets team. Uh, it kind of seems that way. Uh, Jerry Jones was once again asked about Odell Beckham Jr. And he told Todd Archer of ESPN Dallas, quote, stay tuned. How over are you guys about the Odell drama the Odell saga that every broadcast shoves down our throats about a guy that at the earliest would be able to play is in the middle of January 2023. I'll say this. I don't necessarily think they're getting so much attention because it's Odell Beckham Jr. It's because the Cowboys have been so out in front of all of this. It's Jerry Jones continuing to play with the media as quote-unquote America's team if they have so much popularity, which they absolutely do. Jerry Jones keeps entertaining this. Like, I'm not mad at Odell Beckham Jr. Of course he wants to play in the NFL. What? Oh, I'm supposed to be mad at Odell for wanting a paycheck? Like, no, of course he's trying to get on an NFL roster. It's Jerry Jones who keeps entertaining this. You could have said, hey, we got T.Y. Hilton. We're good. I believe in this team. It's time to move on. I don't think he's going to help us. Stay tuned. No, that's your teaser. I mean, you're the one teasing us right now. This is on the America's team right now with Jerry Jones saying it, saying all this. Jerry stuff. likes the star power and that's the thing that still may be attracting him to Odell even though Odell may not be ready to play but it's just the star power having him out there having him out there pregame catching passes one handed on his fingertips on his fingernails with the blonde blue whatever hair <laughs> that he might have for that game so I think that's part of the allure and Jerry may not want him uh, out on the open market this offseason where teams can get a chance to see him healthy and he'll have more competition so maybe he does go pull the trigger on that just to keep him away from everybody else. I don't know why Fiddy keeps dancing at random times. I do like it. I just don't know why. Maybe we can get down to it in the next segment and try to talk about it during the break. But what's going on? With I you? was just imitating OBJ fighting the kicking net. That That is inevitably going to happen when he gets frustrated. I that forgot about that. He's not getting the ball. There are so many different antics from Odell Beckham Jr. on the sideline and just everywhere else. I do. I, I did forget about fighting the kicking net. 
It's time for Fire Fizzle, everybody's favorite. We'll talk about chain restaurants coming up next. Wesson Walker Sports Radio 92.7 WFNZ. Walker Sports Radio 92.7 WFNZ. Lots of yelling during the break because pretty angry at Steve Clifford. Kyle Bailey coming in here before his show starting from 3 p.m. and then going all the way to 6 p.m. on WFNZ. He had to get in the studio and yell at Fiddy for his Steve Clifford takes, man. Like, if everybody's at you, Fiddy, I know you said this when texters were writing in how wrong you were and you said that just proves how right you are. Kyle Bailey staring at you from behind the glass. Do you want to change your tune, or are you still sticking strong with your Clifford head? No, what is there to change? I'm right. Everybody's wrong. <laughs> I'm not afraid to call the guy out. Like, that's just what it is. We are all, we all are afraid to call no, him out. No, I'm just saying, like, the guy has not taken any accountability for why they're so bad on defense. When he's a defensive mastermind, had he come in there and said, I got to do a better job getting this team to play better defense, I've got to change the way yes. we want to guard the pick and roll. Oh, yes. I wouldn't have cared. <laughs> oh, yeah. oh, he almost did it. I feel like – Is he the Sean McVay of defensive coaches where we think he's a genius but oh, maybe he's not? no. Hell no. We've, Wes has managed to make himself the problem now. Damn right. <laughs> was, Fitty was the entire problem, and Wes said, I want to get hit with the paintball gun. <laughs> but, but, you know, maybe that's just like – I'll clear my throat on the air like you do. I listened for 18 <laughs> Williams, Roy Williams, say, I got to do a better job. I got to do a better job. He really does. It's crazy. Roy Williams, man. That's and, what he goes And so to. maybe like my brain is just used to hearing my coach take the blame. And then you get this guy. Sound like T.O. That's my coach. Like, yeah, like, like this guy lucked into the job because Kenny Atkinson didn't want the job. Probably true. And then bit. look, you never go back to your ex. As a guy who's done it three times, mm-hmm. it never ends well. This isn't going to end well. Well, and, and I actually... Kind of agree with that. I want. We need to get to fire fizzle. We can talk about this later on. But man, the Steve Clifford, the the, the, the loud wrong fitty is here and he is alive today. Let's go to something a little more fun. We saw a tweet yesterday. I tweeted it out. Fitty wanted to make fun of me for it, but somebody put out there on Twitter, "What was an establishment as a kid that you didn't realize was in fact not a five star establishment until you were an adult?" That got us on the conversation of chain restaurants and whether they are fire or fizzle. Who better to answer that than what Lil Wayne, fireman himself, would tell you is the best segment. Queen City, let's get on it. On Wes and Walker, it's, ta- it's now time for fire fizzle. All right, so that person that tweeted it out, she said CC's. Now, I know I used to get busy with CC's. The soup was underrated. The salad was all right. The brownies were excellent. The powdered sugar, it was so soft. I think it's all fire. What say you on CC's, Wes? Is it fire or is it fizzle? Well, let's see. When I think about CC's, I think about, well, the value. What am 
I getting for five bucks? I'm going in there and getting good pizza for five dollars. Okay, it's five dollar pizza, folks. It's crazy. Okay, it was ranked by CNN Money as the number one casual dining pizza chain for your money <laughs> in America. <laughs> for your money in America. Focus on for your money. My son once threw up all over the table there when he was two years old. Okay, that's one of the memories I have it of CC's like pizza. So much CC's for that's- a celebratory place to go after you do something great as a kid. CC's is straight fire the pizza and the desserts, the cinnamon rolls for the money. Let's go. I'm that that makes me more happy than any fire establishment that you've ever talked about on this show. And Fitty, another wrong take. It's a record for him. Go, and man's a, a kid. High, and it's a high bar. You think it's fizzle. I would rather eat a napkin than CC's pizza. Listen, you got college kids going in there as a kid Raise to celebrate something in there. Let's go. For the student discount in the In the pizza area. for five bucks. All right. Willie P also quote tweeted this, and he said, Pizza Hut with the all-you-can-eat pizza bar. I believe it was Pizza Hut he put out there. The that, salad that bar, That touched too. me. That hit different right yeah, there. Yeah, it did. He, okay. It seems like he hit a lot of people's nostalgia. He got some good numbers on that tweet, but you are the authority. What say you on whether Pizza Hut is fire or fizzle? Listen, for one, two brothers borrowed $600 from their mom to open a pizza place back in the day in Wichita, Kansas. They named it Pizza Hut. Because that sign only had room for eight letters. Pizza is one of my all-time favorite places, pizza buffets in country towns. When you go in there sitting in the pizza, the arcade game, the one or two that they have, smelling the pizza when it gets to the pizza being too damn hot, I might burn the roof of my mouth when I start to. I got to wait a little bit before I can actually eat the pizza. Before a celebratory place as a kid. And you telling me we go in a pizza hut, I'm saying it's straight. Fire! Pizza is legendary and always will be. The innovators of pizza. If you need something crazy, Pizza Hut will help yes. you. Yes. They will. The breadsticks. The packaging, the three layers where you pull out a drawer oh, of pizza. And just the smell. That's my favorite thing about eating in a pizzeria, the smell of the pizza. Pizzerias just always smell so good. I, I saw a Fitty laugh, and I, and I think I know why <laughs> I'm going to try to take a guess. Were you going to make fun of me for praising yet another franchise's packaging like I was about to do with Pizza Hut? Because it is the second, third time I've done that. No, because you're all about complimenting a good package. I was right there with there the salad go. bar. Oh, yeah. Because that's what makes them so elite. And their apple pie pizza used to slap. It was the it was their dessert pizza was the best dessert item you could get at a pizza restaurant for the longest time. Yeah, CC's begs to differ when you talk about five or five ninety five, but Pizza Hut it still was fire. Now we'll call an audible and we'll go to Go Panthers guys text where he says Chuck E. Cheese's pizza was better than CC's. Are we gonna get there now? Now let's go ahead and get there right now. Okay, we're talking about pizza. Maybe throw in a little Papa shot, a little ski ball. Maybe when you're eating pizza, you see the creepy robot Chuck E. Cheese performing a nice little rendition of whatever the hell he's playing. Yeah. And go that- have a smoke in the back. <laughs> Absolutely, with his head off, and it scares some kid <laughs> that comes around the corner and sees Chuck E. Cheese's body yeah. with an average Joe head. Yeah. Is all that fire or fizzle? Let me see. The only time I went to Chuck E. Cheese as a kid, I forgot to eat because I was so damn excited to go play the arcade games and all the other games in there. And then like a classic kid, when we left, I got hungry and wanted to eat after my mom had spent money on the pizza. (laughs) (laughs) But when you talk about the experience, the game, the pizza, and you're telling me as a kid that I'm going there to celebrate something great. 
Chuck E. Cheese is straight fire for the nostalgia back in the day. It's a mainstay for kids, arcade games, pizza. What else can I ask for? I loved going to Chuck E. Cheese as a kid. Absolutely fire. Fitty, you agree with this one. This is a good take you have today, right? Oh, yeah. My sister used to have her like annual birthday party. We'd go back to Clarksville at a Chuck E. Cheese. But now as, a, as I'm older... Isn't the mouse a little scary? Oh, yes. yes. 100% he's scary. Sure, especially if you find a real one in your house. He's so freaky. And the way, <laughs> well, yeah, that's true, too. But especially with the way that he moves, he has like four movements and they're all the same. Yeah, it's yeah, real. The, the robot, the robot mouse, it's really weird. All right. I, I kind of want to talk about my tweet. Maybe we can do that on the other side. But right. I do want to get to one other establishment that felt like it hit home for us during the pre-show right. conversation. Let's go to Fuddruckers. Okay. Fuddruckers. I feel like as a kid was also something that would get pretty fire for a lot of different people. Was that fire for one West Bryant? For a Rutgers. <laughs> Burger place. Lots of options. You can choose from a one-third, one-half, two-third pound patty. Always grill it to order just the way you like it. But as far as how does West Bryant feel about Fud Rutgers, Fud Rutgers is straight! Fizzle. Oh, I never went there that much. I don't you think burn. of it as a celebratory place. I only ate at Fud Ruckers once in my life. And and that's all you need. It was good, but I mean, that's not a place that was at the top of my list of celebration. But it wasn't fire. We have some other people writing in about a lot of pizza places. We'll get to that. Plus, Fiddy wanted to make fun of my tweet that I had about a certain tra- chain restaurant last night. We'll get to all of that at the beginning of the 2 o'clock hour. Coming up next, Wesson Walker Sports Radio 92.7 WFNZ.